Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Happy to have uh, Kelly Goodson of Vivian uh, join in uh, Desiree and I on uh, today's show. Welcome, mm-hmm. Kelly. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. So, um, Kelly, let's just get right into the topic because, you know, at the end of the day, we have had tons of conversations around, you know, where the landscape um of healthcare is moving from a patient and family engagement standpoint. And we've been fortunate enough to uh, partner, ATW Health Solutions has been fortunate enough to partner uh, with Vizient on your Patients First uh, project, uh, which did measure scientifically uh, the relationship between patient family engagement and, and, uh, and clinical outcomes. Can you just talk to us a little bit about patients first and why it was important for Vizient? Sure. You know, Vizient has been working as a HIN, a Hospital Improvement Innovation Network, for many years now, uh, since the Partnership for Patients was launched back in 2011. And we've been measuring hospital levels of patient and family engagement, or PFE. Um, and, you know, it's it's been several years since the all the HINs have been measuring five uh, specific process measures. And, you know, it was really time to examine what, so how those implementing those five process measures really affected outcomes. And um, the HIN community was very interested in, you know, what is that relationship? You know, we've been tracking those metrics for quite a while. And there'd been some early work done to look at how uh, implementing those five metrics, you know, affected readmissions or, you know, um, we looked at them in in just silos, but we really needed to to look at it all encompassing uh, to see how by engaging patients and families, you know, what, what was that result? on our patient outcomes. So when you did, when we did that work, right, and we pulled all of this together. So when we looked at the five metrics and and five uh, and and actual outcomes, so readmissions, falls, sepsis, so on and so forth, 
what was it that was so intriguing about the outcomes to you individually as a as a as a subject matter expert, you know, in the PFE space? Like what well, first of all, what were the findings? I guess we should probably share that first, right? Um, but then what, what was so intriguing about that work? Yeah, so really what intrigued me uh, to start with that work is that there was a lot of measurement going on and a lot of activity going on looking at how engaging patients and families at an individual you know, patient level there'd been a lot of work done looking at that, measuring that, and, and looking at how that affected their individual outcome. We mm-hmm. had not yet looked at organizational engagement of patients and families. So at the hospital level, not at the patient level, but at the hospital level, what does the hospital do systematically to engage with all of the patients and families they interact with? And, and how does that affect the aggregate outcomes of those patients. So that was really intriguing to me because that really didn't exist out there. There, No one had really taken a look at, um, that we knew of, no one had taken a look at uh, measuring PFE at a higher level, at a sort of systematic level, and then uh, taken that and looked at how it um, affected outcomes. Mm-hmm. So... We were excited to do so, and, uh, you know, we can talk about the project a little bit more, but to, you know, kind of uh, reveal the findings up front here, what we did find was that hospitals that had high levels of PSE, they engaged patients and families through those five metrics and in additional ways that we inquired about, um, those organizations had lower rates of falls with injury and lower rates of 30-day readmissions, both very difficult uh, measures to affect. So Mm -hmm. we were really excited by those findings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, um, I'll say first and foremost, you know, as a researcher, you're always behind the scenes crossing your fingers because anybody who does the work right, you really never know if it's going to turn out the way you want it to. We have hypothesized what we've seen, but honestly, you know, we we don't really honestly, uh, truthfully know, you know, as the results thereof. And so it was an honor and a blessing to see that work the first time. But then even when we went back the second time. Um, to to look at those measures again and saw um, similar trends. Can you talk a little bit about that that second phase of of the work and 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 how that really underscored or validated uh, what we had set out to do? Sure, sure. It, you know, our first um, our first look at this work. Uh, we engaged about a hundred, almost a hundred hospitals in the Vizient Hen and looked at their PFE practices, uh, how they implemented those metrics and some of the other things they did to integrate that uh, into their work and systematically throughout their hospital. And so we were excited to, you know, find those really great results. Um, some of the strength of that study was that we you know, not only did a gap assessment, um, but we interviewed over the phone and we did site visits to the organization. So we verified what they told us uh, and were able to rank them uh, at their levels of PFE 
you know, in a, in a very informed way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the weaknesses, if you will, of, of our study was that we did only look at Vivian Hinn hospitals. Mm-hmm. So in our second phase of the project, we were able to broaden our uh, participation through other Vizient members who belong to other HINs or didn't, in some cases, even belong to a HIN. So we increased our um, participation by about 20%. So we had about 120 hospitals in our phase two. Uh, of a specific note, many of those were new. It was about 70% of those 120 hospitals were actually new to the whole project. So we were almost um, in the second phase working with an entirely new group of hospitals. And we followed um, the same sort of path, but we updated uh, our learning from our first phase. We updated our gap assessment. We updated our uh, scoring index uh, of high PFE performers. And again, bumped that data up to the outcomes data, um, looking again at falls, uh, readmissions, we looked at sepsis and delirium and a few others, um, but it, once again, we, have, we showed a relationship between these high levels of PFE and lower rates of falls with injury and 30-day readmission. You know, it, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the results and it's really refreshing. You know, I remember, you know, very uh, in the close future, it was thought that PFE c- couldn't be measured and organizations kind of assumed, right, that, oh, we're doing great. We have patients that are engaged in our organizations, but you guys have really worked together to take a really clear snapshot of how highly engaged PFE in your organization produces of results and outcomes. And there's people behind these results and outcomes. So, you know, I just want to tip my hat. I wish I had that CMS cowbell on our call. Oh, cowbell, yeah, we need a cowbell. <laughs> we need a cowbell to ring, you know. So, you know, at the end of the day, patients first, that's the name of your project. So you're putting those patients first and those outcomes are just blowing me away. So kudos to you guys. You know, Desiree, it's really interesting you say that because in our first phase, as I mentioned, we did site visits to um, some of the top performers. We did 11 site visits. And when we would go to those organizations who were very engaged with their patients and families through multiple PFACs, through having patients and families on quality and ethics committees and on their board and you know, having patients and families involved in a hiring process and things like that, when we would ask them, how do you measure, you know, PFE? How are you tracking all this? How are you measuring it? How do you know this works was a question we asked all of them. And just as you said, so many said, well, we don't need to track. We know that it works. We feel the impact by having the patient voice in all that we do. And we just inherently know that it's working. Um, so it is great to find a way to actually measure this. And um, in our phase two, we were able to provide some benchmarking. Um, thanks to our partners at ATWL Solutions, we were able to help benchmark um, their, their performance. And they were really happy to receive that type of information back. It's really helping them look at their programs find areas of opportunity, find um, actionable goals and steps that they can take to improve their uh, their processes and improve their engagement 
um, as well as share it with their staff, their PFECs, and their executive C-suite leaders. So Kelly, I want you to I want you to elaborate on that a little bit because I think that's really the story behind the story. So to me, you're absolutely right. Um, to Desiree's point, it's like a lot of folks said, "Well, we really don't need to measure this, right? Um, why why do that? We already know that it's working." But what many organizations didn't know, which is what we've helped with, more importantly, is the what's working, right? We've really helped to organize what folks are doing more specifically and to really pull that into the benchmarking um, and better understand that from a high, mid, and low performance standpoint and use that that type of data and information in a far more meaningful way. So in other words, it kind of goes back to, and you often say this, it's not just about, you know, checking the box, yes right? You, that, you, mm-hmm. that you're doing a specific activity. It's about the how you're doing that specific activity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the how they're doing the specific activity that has the wide variation among, from organization to organization. And it's, that's really what we were learning through the study. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And there were many areas that we had these, these learnings. And one of the biggest areas was probably what I'll just uh, bundle as the human resource operations area. So um, the, you know, some folks were using patients and families um, in their new employee orientation. So a new employee comes on board and a patient story is told, but it would happen in many different ways. It would be the staff person telling the patient's story in certain cases. In other cases, it was the patient themselves, you know, telling the story via video. In other places, it was the patient live and in person standing in front of the group sharing their story and having a discussion. So you can see those various levels of uh, implementation and um, you can see, um, you can even just imagine the different outcomes that you get from, from that work. Again, in the human resource area, another key finding was that those that are truly um, you know, using the patient, the patient voice throughout everything they do are having the patients and families interview key C-suite members that are going to be hired. And that gives the new C-suite member that is being interviewed um, a really good impression of how the organization uh, involves the, the patient voice. We, we asked one um, C-suite member that we visited, you know, how did you know you, you're, you, know, you were new into the organization? How did you know that this organization was very serious about engaging with patients and families in all that, you, all, all that they do? And he mm-hmm. said, well, when I was interviewed by a PFAC member, you know, that really gave me the good impression that this organization engages with patients and families effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so just even taking a look at that HR area, there were many different levels and things that we found that these leading performers were doing. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them had them fully implemented all the way. Some are partially implemented. Um, but we did find some learnings and some variations. 
So um, if there were one key area, would you say it's the HR? I know for me, I really stood out. Um, uh, even as I talk about, you know, that study today, sometimes when I go back to refer to the white paper, um, you know, it still just stands out among all the other core areas um, because I, I guess up until the study, I hadn't realized that there were a number of, of, of hospital organizations that were making a concerted effort to really institutionalize um, patient and family engagement in that way, um, mm-hmm. you know, that they were using patients and families for interviews, that they were using patients and families, you know, doing staff trainings and things of that nature. Um, is there any other area or is that the one area that you think really stands out? Is there anything, um, you know, that you think just really kind of stood out from the study for you? Yeah, that was my main area, but the the other area for me was around the PFACs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Patient and Family Advisory Council model has been around now for, um, you know, in some cases almost two decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most we found most, especially in our phase two of the study, most Patient and Family Advisory Councils really have only been around in these hospitals for three to five years. Mm-hmm. And the way in which the organization is using their PFAC is very telling of how how they how serious they are about this. So mm-hmm. when the Patient and Family Advisory Council is, I'm going to use the word relegated to a conference room, a monthly meeting in a conference room, um, that organization is not yet mature, has not yet taken. Uh, their program to the next level. The ones that we see that are very serious about using the patient voice and everything that they do and taking their PFP program to the next level, um, we use the word liberate. They liberate these patient and family advisory council members from that conference room, from that monthly meeting. They put them on standing committees with staff. They put them in the trainings, like you're talking about, the the staff trainings, the organizational development. They use them in, um, you know, role play. They don't have a staff member play a patient in a role play scenario. They have a patient play a patient in a role play scenario. So they liberate the patient and family advisors from these, you know, monthly meetings and these conference rooms, and they really deploy them throughout the organization, treating them like they do their staff. You know, Hmm. engaging with them and training them and investing time in them to make them effective patient and family advisors. And, you know, I think that's really, really important. I mean, I've been on a couple different advisory councils at different levels. And I'll say it also helps with the retention rates because as we become more seasoned patient advisors in our organizations, you know, we want to be meaningfully engaged, right? I don't want to just you bring me a pamphlet to say, edit this, what do you think? I want to be fully integrated into your organization. And so with you guys' work with this study, it takes those organizations, kind of gives them a snapshot of what they're doing. And it also adds a little competitiveness to this, right? So in my organization, maybe I didn't score as high in some areas. So I see maybe I need to improve here and there versus my peers over here that are doing, say, a top five, and I may be a top three. What can I do that they're doing to get me to that top five? 
And Desiree, you just gave me an idea to add on to when we hopefully do a phase three to this, <laughs> add on retention rates. We didn't ask retention rates. Um, so that's a great question to ask because that does signify the strength of a PFE program and the, and the commitment that the organization has to their patient and family advisors uh, if, they, if they have a high retention rate. So, in closing, tell us a little bit about the benchmarking reports and just some of the feedback that you've been um, uh, getting. And uh, well, I'll, I'll just say what value you think that Vizian has brought back uh, to its members by producing the benchmarking report. Yeah, the the value has been really high. Um, I've heard from a lot of our members that this is the first they've really ever seen any type of uh, report like this. So we uh, provided two reports back as part of our phase two work. One, a summary report where it shows the different areas um, where you can engage with patients and families like HR, like we talked about in the PFAC, uh, and kind of gave them a score on how they're doing individually uh, with that. And then we gave the benchmarking report, which shows them um, where they're at in comparison to like hospitals. So if they're an academic medical center, you know, where they where their score fell within other academic medical centers or whether they were, you know, in an urban area, suburban area, et cetera. And the value that that provided to these organizations was really tremendous. Lots of comments about how this really helped them um, know where they stand and know and find these areas of opportunity that they can improve. Like Desiree was talking about before, you you know, before you looked at a report like this, you could only kind of guess, well, I think we're doing pretty well with our PFAX, but I'm not really sure. You know, so this gave them something solid to look at uh, to understand where they are and to use it as evidence of either you know, hey, we do have a strong program or, hey, we do have some areas of opportunity that we can improve upon. Well, I know we have a long way to go. We just really began to scratch the surface, um, you know, from a measurement standpoint. But I, I, I can, um, you know, honestly say that we're definitely moving into in the right direction um, because it is giving um, not just a roadmap, um, you know, but just more concrete uh, direction for organizations, you know, to uh, advance um, and, and in some cases even accelerate, you know, the work that they're doing in person and family engagement. So thank you so much, Kelly, for partnering with us. Um, and thank you to uh, uh, Vizian, uh, the organization as a sponsor uh, for just always being great partners and and, uh, and and working with us in an innovative way, right? To to really move the field in a, in a new direction. So, when is this? When is the report? When <laughs> we got any update on the report? You know, every time we talk, I'm, I'm asking about the report. Is the report ready yet, Kelly? <laughs> the, the report is in the final review stages with CMS. That's my standard line. <laughs> um, and we are working hard with them to, to get that report out um, so that we can share this information with, uh, you know, the broad community that's really interested in this work. So um, hopefully very soon, but it is in final review stages. It's, it's uh, been approved by the 
Centers for uh, Clinical Standards and Quality, and it needs to pass through the CMS front office, and then we can get that out the door. Um, Natasha, I'd love to put a plug in for um, our, you know, our future and where we think Thank we're going to go next with this. Uh, Drum roll. Drum roll. And ATW, um, we, we're looking at the ambulatory setting next. We're hoping to be able to translate um, these learnings into the ambulatory setting. So we're looking at physician practices and clinics and how they engage with patients and families as they um, interact with them on a on a you know, regular basis and the systematic things they do to engage with their patients and families and looking at their aggregate patient outcomes and seeing what is that relationship. Do we see that relationship in the outpatient setting like we do the inpatient setting? Yeah. Well, I just want to, I, I, again, I can't thank you enough. Um, the uh, Because of Vizient, you know, we are proud to say that the benchmarking report is in over 200 hospitals. I can't hear a cowbell, but if we had the cowbell, <laughs> we would hit the cowbell right there um, because that means that, you know, 200 hospitals right now today are using, you know, um, uh, that report to ad- advance their work. And and many of those, almost most of those are, are Vizian members. And so we just, you know, hands down, we congratulate you for that. And then to our listening audience, you know, as we prepare to close, we just want to serve as a um, reminder that this work, um, it could also be available to you through uh, the integrated PFE index assessment that um, ATW has available. And so for more information, please go to our website atwhealth.com for more information or email myself, Natasha, or Desiree. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us. We so appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. It was great fun. I can't wait for phase three. (laughs) Yeah, phase three. They're going to cowbell again. All right. (laughs) Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.